shoot uh, sports is a major supplier of football helmets uh, for the National Football League. <laughs> um, and on their website, there's these uh, warning labels that they put out there um, on their homepage for their helmets, for their helmets that they uh, provide for the National Football League. So this is one of the warning site or, or warning labels that you find on their, on their homepage. It says, warning, no helmet system can prevent concussions or eliminate the risk of serious head or neck injuries while playing football. The warning label continues with uh, some more information about the symptoms of concussions and, and concludes this way by repeating the original warning. It says, to avoid these risks, do not engage in the sport of football. <laughs> now, a visitor to the website what they can do is they can access the content on that website, but only if uh, they check off the little box. You know, you've done that on different websites. You check off the little box next to these words. It says, please indicate that you have read and understand this warning label. <laughs> you know, what I find interesting is that this is a company that makes football helmets, and they're warning against um, using football helmets. Uh, utterly honest of the risks of playing football. In a similar way, I got to tell you, the Bible is utterly honest about the risks of following Jesus Christ. When we get to the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus says to us and says to anyone else who might want to follow Christ, Jesus says, warning, warning, to avoid the risk of discipleship, do not engage in following me. <laughs> I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9 this morning. If you have your Bibles or you can turn to it on your phone, maybe on your Bible app there on your phone, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Now we come to the end of Luke chapter 9 this morning, and when we come here to the end of Luke chapter 9, we come to a major uh, turning point in Luke's gospel. Because what you'll find out is that Jesus, it says, is on the road. <laughs> and from this point forward, Jesus is on the road. He's on his way at, all the way to the triumphal entry in chapter 19. Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. In fact, look with me. Chapter 9, verse 51. Look what it says here. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Uh, when it says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, what it means there is that he was determined that nothing will stop him from getting to Jerusalem. He was determined that nothing would stop him from not only getting to Jerusalem, but also from uh, getting to that place, encountering that, that time when he had to go to the cross. Of course, you got to admit, his disciples really didn't understand all that was happening. Um, they didn't understand why he had to go to Jerusalem. I mean, they didn't understand what he had meant earlier here in chapter 9 when he told them that he was going to have to be rejected by the elders and chief priests and he would be killed and, and then on the third day he would rise uh, from the dead. And they certainly didn't understand what lay ahead of, uh, for them in, in, in the future, in their future. So Jesus here, as he gets to this... A chapter into chapter 9, as he starts on his 
his uh, way to Jerusalem. <laughs> Jesus wants to help them, his disciples, and us to understand the demands of the road, what it will take, the risks, and what it means to, to follow Christ. One of the first things we need to understand if we are to follow Christ is we must understand the cost of following Christ. When they built the Suez Canal, it ended up costing 20 times more than they had earlier, the earliest estimates. The Concorde supersonic airplane cost 12 times more than they had predicted. When Boston's big, deal, uh, big dig tunnel construction project was completed, catch this, the project was 275% or $11 billion over budget. <laughs> Someone didn't count the cost. Jesus is telling us, hey, it's important for us. If you're to follow Christ, you've got you to count the cost. If you're to follow Christ, one of the costs is there will be people that will not welcome you. You will experience being rejected. As Jesus begins his journey, catch this, he sends a welcome party uh, or advance party to, to make necessary arrangements uh, for a place for them to stay in Samaria. Why Samaria? Well, because um, it was, going through Samaria was the most direct route down to Jerusalem. But catch this, the Samaritans, they rejected both Jesus and his followers. Look with me at verse 52. Look what it says there. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Um, it's important, don't you think, for you to understand the risk um, that if you're on the road with Jesus, if you're following him, if, if you're committed to serving him, if you are going to live for him, I got to tell you, you are going to experience rejection. And rejection, it, it's not easy to handle, is it? It, it, it hurts. Nobody likes being rejected. In fact, look at James and John's response to the, the fact they were rejected here in, in, in Samaria. Um, verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a pretty natural reaction, don't you think? <laughs> hey, Jesus, Jesus, hey, listen, they didn't welcome us. Jesus, let's, let's just wipe these foolish people off the, off the planet. Let's call down fire from heaven on them. <laughs> but notice Jesus' response, verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. In the face of rejection, catch this, Jesus, his way is to give grace and mercy. Back in Luke chapter 6, Jesus had said, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. <laughs> Later on, when Jesus enters Jerusalem, uh, anticipating Jerusalem's rejection of him, do you know what Jesus did? Instead of being angry with Jerusalem, what Jesus did was he weeps for her. In the book of Acts, Stephen, as he was being stoned to death because he had stood up for Jesus, 
Instead of being angry, <laughs> he asked for God's mercy on his killers. Yes, there will come a time when God's righteous anger will be shown to hard hearts. But right now, in our present age, the call is for us as Christ followers to love and to intercede for those who reject us, who reject the gospel. Listen, if you follow Christ, you've got to understand that there will be a cost involved. <laughs> there will be those who do not welcome you. There's another cost involved, he tells us here, and that is one of hardships and suffering. As Jesus continues on the road, there are a number of people who um, uh, walk with him. Not just the 12 disciples, but others are walking uh, with him. They're all in his company. And one man, evidently from that group, um, announces very proudly, he, look with me, verse uh, 57, I will follow you, he says, wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. <laughs> um, you realize words like that, quickly spoken, you know, spoken in the heat of the moment, uh, reveal ignorance, re reveal uh, inexperience, right? Um, you might even consider that this man was kind of a, he, he was an idealist. I mean, notice what he says here. He says, I will follow you, what? Wherever <laughs> you go, Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus, what he does is he, he, he brings this guy back to reality. He says, following me, it's going to cost you. It will cost you. you. It will cost you your comfort, he tells this guy. Look what he says. And Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> Jesus is saying to, to follow him, there there's going to be hardships. You're, you're going to experience difficulties and, and you're going to suffer. Like Jesus told his disciples earlier, to follow me means that you're going to have to deny yourself and you're going to have to take up your cross. Jesus says, listen, if you really want to follow me, you need to count the cost. Follow me will be a, a direct conflict with your desire, that, that human desire for or for comfort, to be comfortable. To follow Christ means we, we don't ask the question, how can I be comfortable? Instead, we have to ask the question, what does God want me to do? Um, what does God want, where does he want me to go? How can I serve him? <laughs> Although this idealist um, spoke words of commitment, when, when Jesus painted him a picture of what that commitment really looked like, what that would lead him to, it seems like he backs off. We don't hear from him again. And I think there are a lot of people like, like this guy. Don't you? And they've made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, maybe in the excitement of the moment, or, or maybe because they, they see others uh, following him, and they think, I'm going to get in on that. <laughs> but they have never really counted the cost. MSNBC did a, a report a while back on the, the new vegetarians. Christy Pug, who was 28 at that time, captured the idea of the report. She, she said, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like bacon. 
She represents a, a growing number of, of people who refer to themselves as flexitarians. Most of the time, they refuse to eat meat, but once in a while, they make an exception. Christy explains it this way. I really like vegetarian food, but I'm not 100% committed. <laughs> Flexitarian is a good way to describe how many people today view their commitments, right? Flexitarians are committed until, well, it becomes inconvenient or it becomes uncomfortable. When the special is filet mignon, <laughs> then our commitments, well, they, they can be adjusted a little bit, right? They never really counted the cost. And that's the way many Christians approach their commitment to Jesus Christ and the Bible. I really like Jesus, but I don't really like serving the poor. I'm not really big into that idea of, of, of going to church. I'll just be a Christian on the side. <laughs> I like giving. Um, you know, that'd be a good idea, but hey, my resources, they're, they're spoken for. I love Jesus, but in this area of my life, when it comes to those friends and spending time with them and hanging out with them, well, when I'm at this place, I'm, I'm not really 100% committed. And so they say, I want to follow Jesus, but don't ask me to forgive that person who, who's hurt me. Don't ask me to release that bitterness and resentment. I'm not going to let go of that. I want to follow Jesus, but don't ask me to give 10% uh, to the church. Don't ask me to give 10% of my money. I, I've worked hard for that. Listen, I'll follow Jesus, but listen, don't talk to me about my sex life. I can't help my desires. Listen, we want to wear the name Christian, right? But then we pick and choose the teachings of Jesus that we're going to follow. As if the teachings of, of Scripture were a, were a large buffet where you just take what looks good to you and you don't have to worry about the other. Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man, he has nowhere to lay his head. To follow Christ means you've got to understand the cost that's involved. Following Jesus also means you have to understand the priority. Now look at the next two guys that Jesus encounters. Look with me, starting in uh, verse uh, 50, 59. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, uh, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, listen, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you notice the first thing out of both of these guys' mouths? when Jesus invites him to follow him? He said, first, I'll follow you, Jesus, but first. <laughs> I mean, both of them, they, they come with conditions. They come with excuses and, and uh, qualifications. I will follow you, but first, um, I will follow you, if only. I will follow you as long as. Jesus, I want to follow you. I really do, but... <laughs> Uh, not right now. Now it isn't a good time. 
Can you relate? I can. You know, we treat our relationship with Jesus like, the, like, like that diet we, we kept trying to start, you know? I'm going to start eating right um, as soon as I finish off this bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and we do that to Jesus, don't we? First, let me do what I want to do, and then I'll, I'll follow you. We put Jesus off like, uh, like, like we put off going to the gym. And so we say, listen, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. Uh, that's the last time. Uh, I'll start when I'm out of college or, or, or when I get uh, married or when we have kids or when I get a less demanding job or when my kids are, are done with the sports or, or, or when I make more money. <laughs> Instead of, um, you know, just getting out of bed, we just, it's like we keep hitting that snooze button, you know? Just give me another 10 minutes. Now, most of us, when we hear this guy's excuse for putting Jesus off because he wants to bury his father, we say, well, that seems pretty natural. We think, Jesus, aren't you being a little harsh here? I mean, a little hardcore here? I mean, all this guy wants to do is go bury his own father. You see, I got to tell you, most likely, his father wasn't even sick when he says this. I mean, if this young man's father was about to die, Jewish law would have required him to be there by his father's bed, not out there walking with Jesus. No, instead, what this guy was saying was, was, when my father dies in the future, then I will follow you. Um, when I get my inheritance, <laughs> then I'll follow you. When I know my, my family won't disapprove, then I'll follow you, Jesus. St. Augustine was a brilliant uh, philosopher. He was living with a mistress, but then he became convicted of his lifestyle while listening to a sermon. And so St. Augustine penned a very famous uh, prayer. It went something like this. O oh Lord, Make me good, but not yet. <laughs> oh, Lord, make me good, but not yet. I think thousands and millions of people have prayed that prayer ever since, don't you? Lord, I want to follow you, but I'm in a career right now that for me to advance, I have to look the other way. Lord, I want to follow you, but listen... If I have to put you first without any conditions, without any qualifications, <laughs> I might not do very well. Lord, I want to follow you, but I'm in a relationship right now that I know it, <laughs> it doesn't really fit your standards when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to marriage. Oh, Lord, make me good, but not yet. So what does Jesus say? <laughs> Look what Jesus says. He, he, he says, say, hey, listen, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Do you know what Jesus is saying there? He, he's saying, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. But you come follow me. You, you make me the, the top priority. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if anything is more important than me, then you are... <laughs> In reality, dead. 
Jesus is, he issues a similar warning about priority to this third guy. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is, is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, those who are always looking back, you know, over their shoulders, dreaming about the, the good old days, the comforts of home, dreaming about how successful they might have been or how rich they might have become if they hadn't followed Christ, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. And that's what happened to Lot's wife. Remember that story? She looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. That's what happened to the Israelites on their, on their way to the promised land. They, they kept looking back, and they kept craving what they had left in Egypt. You know what they left in Egypt? Slavery. <laughs> Jesus is telling this third guy, listen, if you want to follow me, you can't hang on to the old life. You, you need to burn your bridges because it looks... To look back is to risk getting knocked off course. See, Jesus explains that following him is not something that you do just part-time or halfway. It's not a second job or a moonlighting task. It's not an ice cream social or or a hobby to be done on the side. Jesus says, no, it's all or nothing. Your whole life is your answer to Jesus's call to follow him. He must be a priority. Which brings us to the third truth we must understand if we are to follow him. That is, following Christ means that you enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to notice that these guys that he is talking to, each of these three men he's talking about, they're, they're talking about following Jesus, right? But Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He is making them see that following Christ in terms of entering and proclaiming and serving the kingdom of God. You say, well, what's the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is, it's another realm. (laughs) The kingdom of God is, is where Jesus rules. The kingdom of God is where Jesus reigns and where Jesus has ultimate authority. To follow Christ, see, means you have to step over the border into another kingdom, and you have to make Jesus your king. See, I'm afraid that we have missed this oftentimes, this basic and crucial point in in the church. Too many times I've talked to people in the church here in in America, and uh, they've come to believe that being a Christian is a matter of just believing the right doctrine or uh, doing the right and good thing. But see, being a Christian, a Christ follower, it's not just a matter of ethical and doctrinal improvement, but rather it's a, it's a uh, change of status. It's a change of nature, of your nature. To, to follow Christ it means you have to cross the border. Listen, if you want to go to Canada, okay, you want to go to Canada, what do you do? (laughs) Well, you pack up your things, you load up your car, and you get in, and you drive north, what, five and a half, six hours? And you get right to the border, you get right to the border of Canada, and you can be standing right there on the border of Canada, but you know what? Until you cross that border, you're still in the realm of the United States, even with all the time and all the effort and the, and the cost it took to get there, you're not yet in the kingdom of Canada. 
until you step across the line. The fact that uh, is while you were here in Minneapolis, you were 100% outside the kingdom of Canada, right? And even then, if, despite the time and effort to drive north, as you are standing there, just on the edge of the border, you're still outside the kingdom of Canada. What gets you from one kingdom into another kingdom is not improvement, but one simple step. One step. When Jesus says, follow me, what he's saying is you must step over the border. You must cross the line so that you are translated from one kingdom to another kingdom, from one realm to another realm. And the minute you step over that line, you, become, you come into a whole new kingdom, and Jesus is now king in your life. He's now in charge. He's the boss. He's the CEO. He is Lord of your life. His rule is yours. When the space shuttle launches, there's a point where, according to NASA official website, a negative return occurs. A negative return is when the space shuttle is flying too far downrange and too high to return to the launch site in the event of an engine failure. It also means that for the astronaut, they are now to the point where they are assured of making it into orbit, <laughs> which is the whole point of the shuttle launch. Jesus is saying only by crossing the point of negative return, letting go of that option to turn back, stepping across the line, crossing the border, and making him your king, can you actually do what you're meant to do? See, whatever your landing site was, I mean, your identity, your sense of purpose before you came to Christ, you need to leave all possibility of returning to that behind. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Cross the line. Cross the border. Come into my realm. See, Jesus invites you and me to come, follow him. But listen, I have to warn you. I have to warn you to travel on the road with Jesus requires you to have made him your king. And he wants to make sure you know the risk because it will cost you. You'll have to make him your priority. You'll have to step across the line and into his kingdom. <laughs> Before you can follow him, you need to check that box next to those words that say, please indicate that you have read and understand this warning label. <laughs> it's here, right in front of you, right? Luke gives it to us right here. And my simple question is this, what will you do? I'm gonna invite you, before we pray, I invite you just to, Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to invite you to just take a moment and allow God's spirit to search your hearts. I don't know maybe what God's doing this morning in your life. Maybe he's been tugging at your heart. Maybe 
He has spoken to you about something that's keeping you from following him. Maybe there's something that you continue to repeat, you know, oh God, make me good, but not yet because of... (laughs) Why not deal with that right now? Take a moment. Deal with that right now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your character, for your mercy, love, and forgiveness, but also for your righteousness and justice. Your word tells us that following you is serious business. It's not to be taken lightly. Might you deal with each one of our hearts, those who are here in person and those who are listening online. Might we not put other things ahead of you, Might we daily commit to you, cross the border, acknowledge that you are our king. Might we live in your kingdom under your rule. In your son's precious and holy name, we pray these things. Amen.